from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You know, I've, I've never seen Ellie move so fast in my life until she's out there with her young daughter, Priya, hmm. kind of chasing birds around in their habitat, just being elephants. Pearl is the grandmother to Priya Jane Malia, and she definitely takes on that kind of grandmother-type role for those girls. Sometimes it's just really subtle body language, and the elephants all know very well on how to kind of read that. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last year, three elephants at the St. Louis Zoo beat the odds. The median age for an Asian female elephant in captivity is just about 47 years old. Well, in 2021, Pearl, Donna, and Ellie all turned 50, and they're still going strong. The zoo calls them its golden girls. So what does it take to care for a geriatric elephant? And does this trio enjoy friendships just like their TV counterparts? Well, joining us now with some answers is Katie Pilgrim-Cloppy. She's a zoological manager at the St. Louis Zoo. Katie, welcome. Thanks for having me today, Sarah. So, Katie, how unusual is it for one zoo to have three Asian females who've all made it to 50? You know, I think we're pretty fortunate to be able to have these um, elephants with us here at the St. Louis Zoo. Um, I don't have all the statistics on the number and ages of all the elephants in other zoos, but um, I do know we have a really kind of rich social group here at the zoo with our nine Asian elephants. And to have three of them that have reached the age of 50 is just remarkable. And so for these three, the sort of matriarchs of this, this clan, are they friends? You know, that's a great question. I know you mentioned the Golden Girls earlier, and it probably has some friend. They probably have some friendships, much like those uh, women on the show did. But they all have very different personalities. They have different bonds that they form with their um, uh, other family members here at the zoo. And so um, they are kind of dominant in their own way, depending on what social group that they're with. Uh, for instance, um, one of our older females, Pearl, is the grandmother to Priya Jade Malia, and she definitely takes on that kind of grandmother-type role for those girls. What's an example of, of something that a grandmother would do in, a, in an elephant situation? Yeah, the uh, older elephants in these family groups play a really important role, especially for the younger ones, because they are there to help kind of teach them what it's like to live in a dominant female society society. Um, They also help teach them things like manners, you know, how to socialize properly, how to know when, you know, if the dominant female like Pearl is going to get food first, maybe when to back off and not come over and take her hay from her. How how do they indicate that? Is that sort of a physical like, hey, back off a little bit, youngin? (laughs) Sometimes physical, but oftentimes they're just such a complex communicator um, that they have ways to talk to each other that maybe we won't even pick up or hear the frequency of. Sometimes it's just really subtle body language, and the elephants all know very well on how to kind of read that body language between each other. And so I think a lot of that communication is done without us even really knowing. Hmm. And you mentioned this is a female-dominant society. Would that necessarily be the case in the wild as well? 
Yeah, actually, it very much mimics what you might find in the wild. Um, a lot of with Asian elephant uh, communities in the wild, you're going to find smaller subgroups of females, generally related females, so maybe moms and daughters, sisters, um, but also aunties uh, or maybe unrelated females play very important roles in those groups. And that's actually one of the roles that uh, our other geriatric elephant, Donna, plays to our young ones, including Raja. Uh, he's older now, but when he was younger, she was an auntie for him as well growing up. And so they don't necessarily have to have that biological, I am your mother. They can still sort of teach them those, those important things a grandmother might teach. An auntie can do that as well. Exactly. They're teaching, you know, basic manners, but um, sometimes that may come with discipline. Sometimes it comes with play behavior. Uh, we've seen uh, a much younger Donna. She used to play with Raja, but honestly, now even with the younger kids, she'll get in the pool with them. Uh, she'll kind of spar with them. All of that's really important learning for that younger elephant generation. So these these females are dominant. I have to ask, where are the males? Raja is here. He's one of he's our only male elephant here at the St. Louis Zoo. He was actually the first one born here in 1992. So many of the people listening today probably have heard us talk about Raja and the importance uh, of his birth in zoos. Um, but some uh, facilities uh, may only have female elephants. Some have formed bachelor herds. Um, but honestly, as I mentioned earlier, it does typically mimic that of a wild grouping where you're going to find mostly groups, uh, smaller groups of female Asian elephants that live together. And, and the men are maybe off in that bachelor grouping out in the wild or, or the men just don't live as long? Um, they might be in the wild, for instance, they might be venturing from different group to different group of females. Uh, sometimes they live on their own. Sometimes they might meet up and find uh, like smaller, dynamic, changing bachelor groups. Hmm. Well, you might have questions about elephants and, and these complex social structures, their, their ways of communicating. This is all so different than how we live as humans. So if you've got questions for Katie Pilgrim Cloppy, we can get answers. Our phone lines are now open, 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. So Katie, I'm getting the picture. Pearl is kind of the grandmother. She's there, you know, teaching her grandchildren the ways of the world. Donna's the auntie. That leaves Ellie. What can you tell us about Ellie? Ellie is just one of the best animals, individuals, elephants I have ever met. She, um, gosh, she lives life on her own time. That's kind of a quote taken from one of my keeper staff who has worked with her for almost 20 years now. She really does. She's a very mild manner elephant, but she's an incredible mother. And I think that's why I appreciate her so much much and value her so much as part of this family group because she's not only been a fantastic mother but she is also a grandmother and she's just helped to raise and watch over and protect the young ones as they grow up here and has taught them so much over the years for instance um, i think one of the valuable lessons she's able to teach them is how to let the younger elephants become independent mm. she knows when to watch over them closely and keep a close eye on them but she's also fine letting the other elephants kind of babysit for her so she can get a bit of a break 
it's just like with humans, it kind of takes a village to raise these guys. And so for Ellie, how does that work? I mean, with the, the, the layout there um, at the river's edge where these elephants live, is there a place where she can get away from the other elephants and really have that, that necessary me time uh, that so many females need? Yes, definitely. We think it's so important for all of the animals here to kind of have that um, environment that's either, you know, ample space to kind of get away from each other and kind of have your own alone time, but also that space to have that kind of rich social grouping. So a lot of times whenever um, we're caring for the elephants here, we look at their, um, not only their day-to-day, kind of what they're eating and, and um you know, any husbandry care they might need, but also what does their social environment look like? And are they getting those choices and opportunities to spend time with the individuals they're most closely bonded to? And also maybe that me time, as you mentioned, Um, for example, actually this morning, right before I came on uh, the radio here, we were actually giving a little pampering to Donna, uh, one of the golden girls. She had got a bath this morning and a pedicure, and it was just some extra time spent with just the keeper staff and away from the other elephants. A pedicure. So I'm, I'm picturing uh, maybe giant elephant toenails. Um, is that kind of what goes on here? Yes, and just like humans get pedicures, you might um, go to somebody and get your nails filed. They might trim up your cuticles. Um, maybe you get a foot soak or a, a nail soak just to kind of soften the area. All the same principles apply here, and foot care is really vital to the health of these animals. Um, They have a lot of weight. Uh, These guys can weigh around 8,000 pounds, some of the older females we have. And so we want to make sure that their feet are healthy and in good condition, and so sometimes they'll get regular pedicures from their keeper staff. And and do they have ways of indicating uh, that this is something they want or, or need? I wouldn't say necessarily that they seek us out, you know, asking for one, but I'll be honest, they get a lot of really yummy treats whenever they have a pedicure or bath. So they really enjoy that time, I think, bonding with the staff, but also getting a few extra goodies while they're uh, getting that nail trim done. So they'd associate this with good, good things. Yes. And all of that is done from a long history of uh, our keeper staff learning to build trusting relationships with these individuals, and it's with every individual elephant. Um, And we use operant conditioning training through positive reinforcement to kind of um, encourage them to participate in their own health care. So a nail trim, uh, you might think, is something easy to do, but it starts with a long history of training them. And, you know, we would give a cue, and if they respond to it appropriately, give them a reinforcement like a banana or a piece of corn, which they love. And we just kind of build those behaviors over time so we can do something more advanced like foot care or maybe a foot radiograph, even with our animal health team. And so there's 13 people on this team that helps take care of the elephants. Do they have a sense of of you as individuals or they're just accustomed to having people around and and comfortable with that because of these many interactions over the decades? I think a little bit of both. Um, I do really feel like these elephants understand and know the elephant care team very well. Um, Obviously, we provide them with, you know, natural habitats, but also opportunities to kind of receive extra food from us. So we do kind of create those positive interactions through the training. Um, 
our staff every day are going to look at each elephant. We kind of call them our wellness checks. We want to make sure everybody's looking healthy every day. And so, um, you know, on a given day, I might have one of my keepers uh, go out and ask Pearl to open her mouth up so that we can look at her teeth. Uh, present her feet for us to look at those nails and make sure that there aren't any nail cracks or overgrown cuticles. Um, but also we're looking at whole body. Um, how are they moving? Are they are their joints moving well? We want to do a series of exercises with them that kind of mimic exercises like yoga even, where they're stretching and holding positions so they can work on balance and flexibility. Um, so all of that's really important kind of to their daily check. And so they're used to us on a regular basis, but we find that it's also very important for them just to be used to people in general because um, kind of like humans might have that white coat syndrome, right? If the doctor comes in, you might get a little nervous. Well, we don't want that to happen when our veterinarians come to visit. So they're often a regular part of our training to make sure the elephants are comfortable around them. And it's also a rewarding experience as well. We're talking today to Katie Pilgrim-Cloppy. She's a zoological manager at the St. Louis Zoo, part of the team that cares for the elephants, a herd of nine Asian elephants. Three of them are actually females older than 50. They all turned 50 within this past calendar year, year, which is a pretty exciting thing. They've gone beyond the median age there for an elephant in captivity. Katie, you mentioned helping these elephants exercise. So how do you begin doing yoga with an elephant? Yeah, so the elephants that are here under human care um, will often have some form of keeper or staff-directed exercise. Now, that's only one part of the physical activity that they need to stay healthy. Um, But as I mentioned, we use a a training technique called operant conditioning, and it's used with positive reinforcement. So kind of in layman's terms, if I ask Donna to uh, lift her foot up in the air for me, I might give her a verbal cue saying foot, And if she responds by lifting that foot up, then I'm going to say good and maybe give her a banana afterwards. And so we'll use that kind of same um, protocol and create different behaviors. A lot of times it's all based on just kind of natural behaviors that you'd see elephants do Mm -hmm. if they're in the wild. Maybe they're laying down to dust in the sand or maybe they're stretching really far up, maybe even standing on their their hind legs to reach uh, leafy brows from trees. So we kind of build upon those natural behaviors and want them to move and stretch and really build that flexibility and mobility in their joints. So much like with people, uh, the goal is less any sort of fancy moves and more just to, to move a little more, to keep moving, stay limber. Yes, movement is so key for them. So, you know, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day, maybe the staff are doing these uh, staff-directed exercises, but so much more of their um, physical activity is honestly us having, you know, these complex social environments. So, you know, I've, I've never seen Ellie move so fast in my life until she's out there with her young daughter, Priya, hmm. kind of chasing birds around in their habitat, just being elephants and, and kind of socializing or We might choose uh, ways to feed them uh, at different ends of their habitats to encourage more walking. Um, In the summertime, they love swimming in their pools. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a one pool we have that has a waterfall on it. And usually if you can't see Ellie on land, she's probably in that pool hanging out under the waterfall getting like a bath. So that's great. I mean, it sounds like just an idyllic life in many ways. What are the biggest threats to longevity uh, for these girls now that they've reached 50? 
Yeah, um, you know, we want to help them age gracefully, you know, here at the zoo. And so we're always observing them. We want to make sure that they're getting plenty of rest. So we do have, um, you know, uh, people observe kind of their overnight here. Are they uh, sleeping enough? Um, if you didn't know, elephants can rest not only standing up on their legs, but also laying down on their sides. So we want to make sure that not only the young elephants are getting plenty of rest, which is important, but the older ones are as well. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we want to just make sure that they are, are thriving. Um, we're going to have veterinarians come and check them out on a regular basis. Um, kind of like with humans, we might go and get a physical exam once a year from our doctor. Uh, as an elephant gets older, we might increase the frequency of those health checks to make sure that they're um, looking well, and uh, we have eyes on them with our veterinary staff as well as our keeper staff. So, so many people, once we get to 50, 60, we might end up with false teeth, or maybe we get a knee replacement. Are there any sort of, um, you know, more serious interventions that end up being common in older elephants? You know, I think the aging process for elephant can differ based on individuals, but as you mentioned, um, teeth, you know, they, elephants have six sets of teeth throughout their lifetime, and they kind of constantly move forward and kind of eventually fall out the set before them. And so the last set they have does last the longest, but um, on the tooth itself, they have these kind of uh, ridges, and it helps them with eating browse or trees and leaves. And so, you know, part of their annual exam might be looking at their teeth and making sure that their tooth wear is appropriate, that they're not kind of grinding too much. And we might change, you know, course that way if we need to provide them with a different diet. We'll work with our nutritionist that's here on staff to look at the individual needs for that elephant. Um, but yeah, teeth, uh, we want to make sure that their vision is good. Uh, just like humans, elephants can get cataracts and kind of have decreased vision over the time. And then joint mobility. So really for elephants, just kind of moving and staying limber and being able to do all things that an elephant needs to do is so important to them. So keeping up on their physical exercise and making sure that they maintain a healthy weight and have good foot care, all of those are really important for any elephant, whether here at St. Louis or in the wild. So we had a caller who didn't stay on the line who asked about Clara. Um, she was an elephant at the St. Louis Zoo who had to be euthanized back in 2007. I understand she was 54 years old at the time, so quite beyond the median age there. Um, and, and she was maybe dealing with some foot issues brought on by concrete. Is that right? You know, uh, it's a great question. Uh, thanks for the person who called in. But I unfortunately, I didn't get to work with Clara myself. I've been here at the zoo for about 13 years now, but I joined after she had passed on. I know Clara played a really important role to our family group here. She was one of the more dominant elephants, no matter who she was with. Um, and Clara did have some foot care. She was under veterinary care for quite some time. And they made the you know, really tough decision, I think, at that time to humanely euthanize her. But she really did have a very rich and fulfilling life here and was one of um, the family members where Pearl and Donna had spent time with. So she was uh, 
Uh, she was missed by many, and we appreciate uh, the role that she played here at the St. Louis Zoo. Hmm. Well, it's good to remember Clara. Sounds like she had a good, good long life, 54 years old. You also mentioned how much these elephant uh, women or elephant females enjoy uh, splashing around in the summer. Made me wonder how they deal with the St. Louis cold. I feel like as, as some of us get older, that becomes more and more of a problem. Does it bother them? You know, it doesn't really bother them, but we do want to make sure they have the choice to do what they want. Um, I'll give you a comparison. Pearl, for instance, I think doesn't really enjoy the cold as much. So whenever we give her the choice to go outside or hang outside in her heated barn, she oftentimes will choose kind of staying inside. I think she enjoys being near, near those kind of heated comfort stations that we have. Uh, but Donna, I'll be honest, if it snows and it's warm enough outside, so, you know, kind of above 35 degrees or so, we might give them a little bit of time to go outside and explore. And she's usually the first one ready to go outside and she will eat the snow. And if there's any like ice maybe that formed on some of the pools, she'll kind of pick those up and start eating some of the ice chunks. And she just loves being outside in the winter. Hmm. So they really do have just such distinct personalities, likes and dislikes, and, and that's all individual. Yes. Yes, they do. So you've been working with the elephants now for years. Uh, in our final minute or so here, I, I find myself wondering, what are your biggest unanswered questions you have about elephants? Ah, uh, That's a great question. Um, Honestly, so much about them that I feel like I already know, I still have tons more to learn. And I really, I love learning from these individuals. I think they can teach us just as about as much as they can teach, uh, that we can teach them. And so I really do cherish the times that I get to interact with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, they are so like complex and intelligent animals that I just appreciate uh, being able to help care for them. And I've only been here for, you know, maybe a quarter of their life at mm -hmm. this point. They've lived a long, rich life here at the zoo. Um, and honestly, we we learn a lot from other institutions. So the St. Louis Zoo is part of, um, you know, a group of zoos in North America accredited by AZA, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. And we oftentimes will reach out and share with others that have elephants at their zoos as well, because I think anything we can learn here and share with others and also uh, talk to people that work with elephants in the wild. I think anything we can do to keep that networking open, we oftentimes have a lot to share and kind of collaborate on. Hmm. Well, it's been so interesting to hear about this work. Uh, Katie Pilgrim-Cloppy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced by Alex Hoyer with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.